Hello guys, uh, this is a little bit of an experiment that I'm doing right now. I am sitting in a hotel room in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, about to do a comedy club called The Laugh Shop. I got here yesterday and I already did one show, and I have two shows tonight. So I thought it would be interesting if I just kind of, I don't know, expressed a few thoughts or just kind of rambled before I go to do these shows, and I would present them to you and see if there was any sort of um, redeeming information or anything of interest in these uh, thoughts. Um, I've been reading a lot about uh, rape jokes <laughs> today. It seems that a gentlewoman named Molly Neffel, whom I have met many a time, sister of comic John Neffel, wrote a thing on Salon about rape jokes and kind of called out a few people in it, one of which was Patton Oswalt, who I saw it on his Twitter, about, oh, God, they just used my name for no reason. Then I read this other thing with this girl named Lindy West, who I've heard of, but I've never actually met. Um, that was about, uh, again, rape jokes. Uh, and then there was this other thing I read the other day by some woman, I think her name was like Sadie Doyle or something like that, and she wrote about an experience. She saw a guy named Sam Morrill, Sam Morrill, whom I've known and met, uh, who I know and I've met many a times in New York. I've met and I know. I've met him more than I know him <laughs> in New York. So... It's just a controversy, obviously. A controversy. I don't know why I said that like Sean Connery. But like, uh, yeah, rape jokes. I, I don't have any. I have one. I have one that I think is a smart rape joke. Because it's not a rape joke. I didn't set out to write a rape joke. And from my experience, it always seems that rape jokes are either jokes from the perspective of being raped or jokes from the perspective of being a rapist. Now, I've never been interested in being either of those things, so I've never written a rape joke because it seemed like that was what you had to do to do one of those. And it always seemed like an easy, controversial thing to bring up. You say rape, people go, <gasps> and then they laugh because it's a nervous laugh, and there's different kinds of laughter. Nervous laughter is its own fucking thing. It's not the same as I'm having a good time laughter, okay? There's many different kinds of laughter. All laughs, all laughter is not equal in the eyes of go odd, okay? So I wrote this joke that uh, is not recorded, doesn't, doesn't exist anywhere um, yet. Let's see. I wanted to try to do it in my half hour, but I figured ah, I was going to be too iffy to do. The joke, the perspective of the joke is that I'm a sensitive guy, and I have a lot of female friends, and I know that for them, rape is a real thing. It is a thing that they've either experienced or don't want to experience, or experience and don't want to experience it again. You know, that's not what's in the joke, but that's really the point that I'm trying to make. It's a real thing. It's not to be necessarily joked about, which is why I try to be sensitive to the fact that they are afraid of these things, but I go too far in trying to be inclusive, that I come off creepy. That's where my joke comes from. I tried to write a joke about me being an idiot. <laughs> me being an idiot in terms of being sensitive about these issues and being ineffective in my sensitivity, as opposed to, I raped a bitch. Anyway, I'm just trying to pat myself on the back right now. I like setting that joke up, though. I like doing it because it always feels like people think I'm about to do a typical rape joke, and then it takes a switch, and I have fortunately gotten feedback from many a female that was in the audience and other female comics that complimented me on that joke, 
that complimented me on what it is that I was trying to do. I actually did that joke in uh, July at Cap City in Austin, Texas, one of my favorite, favorite clubs in this country. I'm sorry, in America. I'm in Canada right now. So one of my favorite clubs in this continent. I'll say that. How about that? I haven't been to Mexico yet. Don't know what their comedy seems like, guys. Uh, but uh, it was right after the whole Daniel Tosh thing. And so I got a lot of hit-ups on Twitter being like, yeah, that's how you do it, from like different female audience members. I'm like, that's nice. That's a nice thing to hear. And then a comedian whom I've always respected named Jacqueline Novak that lives in New York. I did a show in New York and did that bit, and she was really complimentary about it too. So it was like, yeah. She's like, yeah, you're, you're, taking, you're talking about rape culture as a thing that you're uh, sensitive to as opposed to just being a rapist. And uh, I enjoy that. I'm like, awesome, cool. Even though Jacqueline Novak has probably one of my favorite rape jokes I've ever heard, which I won't tell. You guys might have to just go check her out ever. Look, there's such a thing as a good rape joke. I think the thing here is I, I once met a gentleman named Rick Overton who is a legendary comic, thanks to a, a gentlewoman. <laughs> Why do I keep saying gentleman and gentlewoman? Uh, named Katie Halper used to have a show, or maybe still does have a show, called Lapping Liberally in New York, and she booked me on it, and, uh, which I always thought was weird because I never considered myself a, a political comedian. But I guess if you talk about being black at all, it is inherently political. Even though you're just reporting your experience, there's something political about it because when you are black, or when you are not part of the majority, the group, which is a straight white male, when you're other than straight white male, you are a niche, a niche, a niche. I can't decide on how I want to pronounce that. Some people say niche, some people say niche. You are a, an outside group, I'll say that. So when you're not a straight white male and you come from that perspective, it's inherently political because you constantly have to think about how it is you exist in this world in which you are not the majority. So if you are a woman, if you are black, if you are gay, if you are Latino, if you're a gay Muslim Latino woman, you are, in a, in a sense, going to be a political comedian if you are going to accurately and honestly report about your personal experience living in this world in which you are, quote-unquote, other, right? So I had this joke that I really liked even though what I was saying in it wasn't like the best thing ever, I was really proud of it because it, I felt like it was a well-structured joke. I felt like from beginning to end, it was filled with punchlines. I said a lot of good stuff. I had some wordplay in it, and it tied up at the end in a way I really liked. And at the time, I was just proud to have this little piece of well-made stand-up. And I did the show, and I did that joke, and essentially... It's a sex fantasia about a girl with, that had one arm. Um, the inspiration being that I was hanging out with a friend once in midtown Manhattan, and we were at, uh, I don't know, a Starbucks or something, and we were waiting in this long line, and uh, there was a girl that was sitting at a table with a guy, and my friend looked at her. She was a female, my friend, and was like, oh, that's like the second time I've seen that girl today. That's so weird. And I looked over at the world, girl, and I was like, that girl's hot. <laughs> that's, all, that's all I thought. I was like, why is that? Why is that weird? I didn't say anything. And then later I realized the girl had one arm. She had um, one, one of her limbs uh, didn't go past the middle of her bicep. So she didn't have an elbow from basically higher than her elbow on. She had one arm and it was like looked like it was something that she was born with. 
So I was like, oh, that's why she thought it was weird, my friend, because she saw this one-armed girl twice. And then I thought it was funny that my first impersonation, or my first impression, was that girl is really hot. And I tried to write this joke from the perspective of, I, that girl is out of my league, you know, even when she has one arm. Is it the best thing I could say? No. And what it ended up turning into was, I tried to make a joke about, I didn't know which one was worse. If I was checking her out, like trying to look up her skirt, or if I was ogling her deformity. And which one would be worse if she caught me? Like, would she be like, how dare you? And I took the tact of being like, well, what if she was like honored to that? Instead of looking at her as a quote-unquote freak, I was looking at her as a sexual object. And she was like, wow, I haven't felt like that in years. And then I said, cut to her and me, like, you know, skipping on a beach. I'm holding the hand that she has. Cut to me and her in a in a alleyway. We're doing it three-legged doggy style. And I'm hitting her arm like it's a bell. Sanctuary. And then, uh, yeah, so that's how the joke went. Look, it's... It, it was good for five, maybe six years ago. I don't remember how, exactly when that was. So after that show, um, the legend, Rick Overton, uh, said to me, you're very good at stand-up, but what I am not seeing is your morality. And at the bar afterwards with me, Rick Overton, Katie Halper, and Becky Donahue, um, we started talking about this idea. And Becky Donahue was debating Rick pretty well, which I thought was weird because I think Becky Donahue, um, if you don't know, is a very funny person. I feel like she always puts forward her morality in her jokes. Even if she's talking about a controversial uh, subject, you always know how she feels about it. So even though I was trying to infuse that joke with how I feel about it, it was missing a morality. There wasn't really a perspective on how I feel about the world and the universe and things around me intrinsic to that joke. So I've always taken that as um, a little bit of a, uh, you know, a, a message, a goal, uh, something to put into, to infuse into my act. And so with this rape joke, I try to do the same thing. And I feel like that's what's missing from most rape jokes is an actual perspective on rape and your relationship to it. People just fall into the roles of raped or rapist. And it doesn't actually say anything except that you're saying rape and that you're depicting it in some sort of way that you think it's funny. But I don't know how you actually feel about that subject. I don't know who you actually are from hearing that joke. All I know is that you said rape and you either portrayed yourself as a rapist or a rape victim. And... Um, either of those things, both of those things are fucking horrifying. And if you're a rape victim and you had a real experience with it and you want to broach out on stand-up, well, fucking power to you. You're going to bring up an uncomfortable subject. And if you are going to be true to who it is that you are and put forward your actual perspective and ideas about that experience and about the culture that surrounds it and about people's fear of it, if you can tackle some real shit with it, then I'm fucking, I'm with you. I'm with you. Otherwise, fucking stay away. <laughs> I, I guess that's my perspective on it. That's why I've never had a rape joke, because I was like, well, I don't have anything to say about that. It's nothing that I've experienced. It's nothing that I want to experience. It's nothing that I think is good for anyone to experience. But instead, I have this joke in which I'm like, well, I'm awkward about it. It's an awkward subject. And here's a joke about me being awkward and stupid when I'm trying to make girls that I'm alone with think I'm not going to rape them. I come off as an idiot. 
Now, is the joke perfect? Who knows? You might hear it and be like, eh, well, you do do this and that kind of sucks. And I'm sorry. By all means, fucking tell me. You know, I'll try to be sensitive. I'll try to fucking redo it. I love that I'm talking about this like I am the I am the be all and end all opinion on this fucking subject. <laughs> I'm not. I'm a stand up. That's what we all are. We're all trying to figure this shit out. I've been I, I don't know. I've been a little. Uh, it, it's maddening to be in a fucking hotel room by myself. It is. I was going to go into downtown Calgary. Now now I'm at this place called the Laugh Shop, which. Ooh, I just said that in kind of a Canadian. I'm at this place called the Laugh Shop. It was kind of a Canadian accent almost right there. Uh, it is outside of Calgary. Just It's about a 15-minute drive to downtown Calgary. And I was going to get up and go downtown and walk around and go get some coffee and mail a couple things. I had a little gift package I wanted to mail to a Canadian friend. Um, and I thought, oh, maybe I'll do this when I'm in Canada. Therefore, it's not international mail. It'll just be Canada to Canada mail. And I wanted to do that today. But... My bank card wasn't working in an ATM when I went to take some cash out, even after I called the bank to tell them I was in Canada. So while my card might still work as a credit card if I take a cab, I didn't want to risk taking a cab downtown and then not being able to pay. So I just decided, I'll sit in the room for another five hours, and that's what I've been doing. And now I'm about to go do two shows, two hours of talking nonstop in front of audiences. Last night was a good show, actually. I forgot a lot of my act. I've been doing so much new shit and trying to figure that out that I forgot how the quote-unquote old shit is going. This is the newest old shit. This is the shit that has been working, that I've been doing on the road, that I feel like is in a place that I can do it on the road, and then I haven't done it for a while. So I was like, oh, shit, I forgot how that went in the middle of doing the joke. So I was just doing that right before I started recording this, walking around trying to recite the words of my act, trying to remember where things fit and how things go. Um, but yeah, last night was actually a good show. And last night I had, there were probably like 40, 50 people in the audience, which is already bigger than the number I had of all the shows combined last time I was here, which was February of 2011. Little... Steps, guys. I have no draw in this town. This is Canada. I'm not a Canadian. I'm not exactly sure how much shit they actually get in Canada from the States. I know that they watch Conan. I know that they get some Comedy Central programming. So um, I don't know what's what. So I'm only, as a comic, a sight unseen comic in this town. So maybe some people have seen me on Conan. Maybe some people have listened to the podcast. Maybe some people have heard of me through other com comics. I got a really nice shout-out from Maria Bamford today, which is great because she is a hero of mine, so it's really cool for her to be like, hey, I like you back. You know, I like your comedy. I'm like, oh, geez, Maria Bamford likes my comedy. Wow. That's my, that's my reaction to it. So the point is, is that maybe it's also that this club was a relatively new back then, newer, or it just reopened under a different name or something. But audiences came, so let's see if audiences come tonight, 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 tonight. Uh, the point is, is that I was going to go somewhere and I didn't, and I've been sitting in this fucking hotel room by myself, and it is maddening. This is a big thing that happens on the road. I don't know if you've seen the documentary I Am Comic. I watched it for the first time in the Bridgetown Comedy Festival, sitting next to Greg Barrett, 
who Rich Scheidner, who kind of becomes the hero protagonist of the documentary, Greg Barron turned to me and was like, oh my God, that's the first guy I ever featured for, which I thought was fun. Hmm? Lines of comedy, guys. There's this one section, beautiful section, with Nikki Glaser, who just had a half hour on Comedy Central last week. Mine's going to be June 21st, guys. She was, uh, I guess she was at, uh, I think it was maybe, I don't know if it was Florida. I think it was one of the Florida improvs. And she was just chilling in the comedy condo. And there was this moment where she's like, this is what life on the road is like. And she's just sitting at a table by herself in a, a room that is somehow disgusting and sterile at the exact same time, which is what a comedy condo is like, which is what, which is what most hotels are like. And I was like, oh, that is it. That is definitely what it is like. I have been sitting here inside for the majority of the day. I ate my first meal at four. Uh, guys, these aren't things that I should be doing. I don't have to do this. I could go downtown. You know what? It's an hour walk to downtown Calgary from here. Tomorrow, I'm going to actually wake up and do that shit because I don't know about this cab situation. If I would have gotten up earlier and gotten my ass up and gotten showered and gotten my clothes on earlier, then I would have walked downtown. It would have been no thing. But I waited until about 4 o'clock-ish where I'm like, well, now I'm going to hit traffic. And now it's like, you know, my show's at 8. I should be back. That's me just birthing fucking disgust out of my mouth. Um, Tomorrow I hope to actually go do something. There's nothing wrong with staying inside. I just want to be more productive. I'm hard on myself, guys. I'm getting better. I'm getting better. It's so stupid. There's no reason to, to carry around this much weight and put this much pressure on myself. I gotta fucking ease up. And it all just has to do with my work ethic. I, I expect myself to get certain things and get to certain places with not all the effort that I could be putting in. I half-ass it on the important things, and I fucking go for it on the unimportant things. Because I spend too much time half-assing it on the important things. Well, you know, you never know what is and isn't important. So I hedge my bets. Sometimes I half-ass something, and I'm like, meh, and then I get all bitter. Why am I bitter? I'm like doing well. When you think about it, sure, I've pretty much broke and have built a impossible, seemingly impossible financial wall for me to climb over the last 14 years. But, uh, you know, people like laughing at some of the things I say. You guys are listening to this fucking weird tirade. I'll end this right here because I'm going to be here again tomorrow. Perhaps I will record a couple ideas and thoughts after the show. I get myself psyched up before a show, convinced no one is going to like me, convinced that my stand-up is not stand-up-y enough, convinced that none of my jokes have endings or that no real points are being made. Um, But then I go up there and I get some laughs. I'm like, oh, what the fuck? I know what the fuck I'm doing. (laughs) So if I'm coming to a town near you and you get to see me, Realized that the moment I get that first laugh, the terror of ages is falling off my shoulders in that exact moment. Okay, guys. 
time to make with the funny.